Jason Swain touchdown. It's time for the Swain event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. It's time for the Swain event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Give me to his house and a red flag. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. It is a beautiful, and I mean beautiful, Thursday, Tuesday morning here in Knoxville, Tennessee, May the 16th. It ain't Thursday just yet. It's Tuesday, and it's beautiful for right now because uh, a little bit later on, might get busy as far as rain and thunderstorms. May affect the Tennessee baseball game. But until then, we rocking here. I'm live from the Low T Center studio. Ben McKee of GoVall247. He's from Parts Unknown. Ben, what is up? Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I understand everything that you're going through, my friend, uh, as a parent <laughs> this morning. I get it. I get it. I get it. And uh, big thanks to for... Uh, you being here this morning got a lot to get to today um how was your weekend man weekend weekend good stay out of trouble yeah, yeah i had a, a nice weekend tennessee baseball made it entertaining kept me busy so it was a, a nice weekend did you have a nice weekend yeah man yeah i was uh i was in your your home state um over the weekend i was in i was stayed in, in tennessee all weekend <laughs> I was at uh I went to Hoover. I was at Birmingham. Uh, my, my best friend uh, stays at Birmingham. We had a basketball tournament, and so uh, got a chance to hang out with him. The tournament was in Hoover, and it was right next to the Hoover Met there in the Finley Center. And so got a chance to see and scope out the Hoover Met before SEC baseball tournament coming up here uh, just in a few few days, Ben. But I think I think the field's okay. I think the walls are okay for Tennessee balls to go over <laughs> after hits. I, I think everything is good. But uh, one thing I will say, man, the best part of uh, Alabama is I-59 North. And it was a bumpy ride there. It was a bumpy ride on the way back. But the ride on the way back, man, those bumps was a little bit softer <laughs> getting back to, to Tennessee. Yeah, Ch- Chattanooga is a, a sweet place to see when you're driving back from Birmingham. You, you, you've never been excited to see somewhere Dude. as you are Chattanooga <laughs> when you're coming back uh, from, from Birmingham for a multitude of reasons. It's it's, it's like uh, going to Narnia. I, I'm not a big Narnia guy, but uh, I, I know that th- that exists. The Chronicles of Narnia. I, I don't know if you even know what I'm referring to. I That's have no look, clue. Uh, on your face. I, I watched the movie when I was like a kid. But I, I haven't watched it much uh, since. <laughs> but uh, Chattanooga seems like the best place on earth when, when you're driving back from from Birmingham. That that road is bumpy. One of the worst roads I've ever driven on. And, and I am not at all looking forward to, to driving on that road a week from today. But I am really excited to get down to Hoover for the SEC tournament. And I say it every year. It's one of my favorite weeks of the year. Uh, and, and I'll say what I say every year. And, and that's to encourage those who may be 50-50 about going for the first time, go. 
it is an awesome experience the sec baseball tournament uh the the fans it, it truly means more i know we like to joke on the sec slogan but that's what makes it so special the environment is second to none uh in, in terms of college baseball and and if if you have not gone and experienced that i i could not suggest it more um, because it is absolutely awesome I, I even when i was still living in huntsville swain and uh i was still getting it out the mud in mm. community college you was for sure I, I, what's that i said you was definitely getting it out the mud uh what was that oak oak oakwood community college I, I did not go to oakwood oakwood is obviously an option which one uh, you went there. to i went to calhoun calhoun that's right that's right that's right you did get out the mud right. you really did I, yes, I, I certainly did. And, and that was before Calhoun built that brand new, beautiful building that you can see from the, the side of the road on 565 uh, across from the, the, the Space and Rocket Center. Yep, I know exactly um, what you're talking about. It, it is kind of cool, though. I, I remember driving to community college, not that anybody cares, but a quick aside. I, I remember driving to Tech Calhoun each morning. I had to, I didn't have an 8 a.m. class, but I think it was like a 9 a.m. class. And like my thought process of driving on 565 to Calhoun and seeing the space and rocket center every morning was, man, it would be really cool if instead of driving and seeing this every morning, if I could pull up on Tennessee's campus and see Neyland stadium instead. And that was kind of my motivation to, to get to UT and it, and it worked out that way. But uh, when I was getting it out the mud at Calhoun community college, I, I even drove down when Tennessee wasn't playing in the, the sec tournament several years in a row. And uh, it was just as fun. So anybody out there who has not gone and, and they're considering it, do it. You won't regret it. Well, Ben, it's going to be a different, different feeling this year, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, I'm not expecting Tennessee to make it all the way to, to Sunday. That, that would be quite the run. I don't think it's impossible because there's not a team in the sec that has more pitching than tennessee and that does give tennessee a distinct advantage uh, the problem is that this tennessee team hasn't necessarily played consistent baseball and it is away from lindsey nelson stadium uh so you're right they, they got to find a way to win that that first game on tuesday tuesday has four single elimination games and then it gets into the double elimination games on wednesday uh tennessee could technically still earn a buy and just automatically jump to mm -hmm. to the uh double elimination portion on wednesday but that would take tennessee sweeping south carolina at south carolina which right now it seems like an impossible task for tennessee to sweep anybody on the road uh and then it would also require at the same time as tennessee sweeping south carolina arkansas sweeping vanderbilt which is doable arkansas is playing really good baseball right now and Vanderbilt's kind of been teetering but that series is in Nashville and sweeping Vanderbilt is as difficult of a task as it as it comes yeah. Tennessee did do it earlier this season uh, but that was at Lindsey Nelson Stadium so there's technically still a possibility that they could get that four seed and, and play on Wednesday instead of Tuesday but uh, right now it's looking like they got to find a way to to win uh, that that single elimination game on Tuesday or else it, it'll really be a short week What's up with our guy, Jared Dickey, man? He going he gonna to be all right to, to play today? If not, he's going to be all right for for Hoover. I I definitely don't think that he'll play today. I would be absolutely stunned. Uh, and, in fact, I, I think Tony Vitello alluded to that with his comments over the weekend. There's just no need for him to play against Belmont uh, because 
you, you do more harm than than good by by playing him uh, and, and risking further injury. And uh, I, it's his right shoulder that he banged up. For anybody who did not see it, sliding into home uh, during Saturday's game in the bottom of the seventh inning. And he did go back out into the field for the top of the eighth, which was a good sign. But then in the bottom of the eighth, he was pinch hit for, which was not a good sign, uh, and and did have an MRI done on Sunday. That all came back clean. I think there was an initial fear that he tore his rotator cuff, uh, but that was not actually the case. And and now it's just about managing pain uh, and and not even really pain, but more soreness. Uh, I think that was the big problem. Uh, on Sunday uh, and probably yesterday. I don't know that it was as mobile as he would have liked it to have been in terms of being able to maybe lift it above his head. Uh, So uh, it it wasn't a a serious injury. I expect him to be ready for for Hoover at minimum, maybe the NCAA tournament at minimum. He'll be ready for postseason baseball, but I don't know that we'll see him this week uh, just because you want to be super cautious with uh, a shoulder injury and rest that thing up. That that is the the best medicine for him right now. It's just resting that thing up. So I I we definitely won't see him tonight. I'll be kind of surprised if we see him this weekend against South Carolina. Maybe he's able to to DH. Uh, I I don't think we'll see him in the field, but maybe he's able to DH uh, against South Carolina on Friday or Saturday. Uh, and I, I would think that based off the way that they're talking, that he he'll be ready for for postseason baseball for sure at minimum. How surprised were you that Tennessee won the series? I mean, goodness gracious, playing at home, we know this baseball team is totally different. We know the park is generous. Um, Cranking out home runs, grand slams. Uh, I was on my way back from Birmingham on on Sunday, so didn't get a chance to to watch like I wanted to, um, but saw where – Feels like we, not feels like we did. We didn't have any more bullets left in in the chamber because we let them all loose on Friday and and Saturday. Didn't have anything left on on Sunday. But the series win, I know, going into this series, we talked about this on Joshua Swain when you joined us that what Kentucky did very very well and did consistently well all season long was something uh, that Tennessee was like the worst at and how their style of play contrasted um, so much against what Tennessee was unable to defend or take care of or, or play uh, at a certain level all season long. But what wasn't the case the first two games, Ben. How did, how did Tennessee get the, get the series win, in your opinion, besides I mean, home runs? Right. Yeah, that Sunday game was weird. Uh, Drew Beam did not have his best stuff. Uh, for a second straight week, which was odd because he's he's been really good at home this season, uh, whereas it's it's been more of a struggle for him on the road. So you saw him struggle last weekend uh, against Georgia, and you thought that he would be able to rebound uh, against Kentucky, because, mostly because it was a home game, quite frankly, and he's been awesome at home. During conference play, uh, entering the weekend, He had allowed seven runs in 25 innings at home compared to 14 runs in 13 innings on the road. And then he comes out and can't make it through the second inning. Uh, He only lasts 1.2 innings uh, and and gives up four runs. 
so it, it was not a good Drew Beam afternoon, unfortunately, for the Vols. And I think that that led to uh, it, I mean, when when your pitcher comes out and your starting pitcher, especially when you're at home, comes out and gives up a, a three spot in the top of the first inning before mm-hmm. you even head to the plate. That that can be draining uh, and take a lot of energy out of you as a, a team. So uh, not, not the greatest of starts for Tennessee. And then you had the two-hour rain delay midway through the third inning. Or not rain delay. It did rain a little bit, but it was uh, a weather delay because of lightning mm. in the area. It, it was just a funky afternoon. Uh, and, and Tennessee had eight hits and uh, hit into some bad luck once again. Not that that's an excuse, but uh, they, they were getting guys on base. Uh, it, it's kind of a... Uh, always a weird conversation to have uh, or an interesting conversation to have. You're getting guys on base, but you're not driving them in. So you're doing something well enough to, to get them on base, but then what's not clicking to allow you to to drive them in. And then I do think that there was some, some tough luck involved there. I mean, Christian Scott absolutely ropes the ball to the warning track and, and left field and, and the left fielder uh, makes a, a great play on the baseball. Yep. So there were a couple of plays like that, uh, that, that Tennessee hit into, uh, some bad luck, some line drives right at guys, uh, some ground balls that, that you barrel up and uh, 104 off the bat just right at the second baseman. I mean, th- those are good at bats with runners on base. It's just you have nothing to show for it because baseball is baseball sometimes and you can hit it right at guys. So uh, not that it is an excuse, but I, I think that that um, has something to do with them not able to mount a, a comeback and, and then uh, some bullpen arms towards the tail end of the game uh, give up some runs to to make it the score what it was, but uh, I I was I wasn't surprised to answer your initial question, Swain, that Tennessee won the series because uh, Tennessee has more natural talent than Kentucky, and it was a home series for Tennessee. I was more so pleasantly surprised by the way that they did win, uh, and yeah, they slugged home runs, and Andrew Lindsay was really really good uh, on Friday night. Uh, Chase Dolander was really, really solid on Saturday. You had some nice bullpen performances. But Kentucky's small ball style of play was was what made me nervous because Tennessee hasn't necessarily executed the small details, the the good fundamentals that go into uh, the sport of baseball. And they mostly did that over the course of the weekend, especially on, on Friday and, and Saturday. I mean, Tennessee was laying down bunts for hits and, and moving guys over. Uh, they they were fielding play or fielding plays. They were not making a, a ton of defensive mistakes and actually making really nice plays uh, on defense. They were throwing uh, Kentucky runners out. Um, it, it it looked like Tennessee played small ball just as well as Kentucky did. So wasn't surprised that Tennessee won the series. Just more so that they played small ball, good fundamental baseball as well as they have all season. Yeah, man, love this. I saw where Tennessee moved up. There's so many different publications, but Tennessee. Uh, moved up after the series win against Kentucky. Ben McKee. Um, former Tennessee running back who hit the portal is going to an SEC rival. <laughs> so we, we, we doing this again. We got to discuss. And we'll do that after the break here on the Swain event. Swain events fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Ben, what's the, what's the last thing you ate at Dead End Barbecue? I think it was the burn ends. The burn ends, just straight burn ends. Yeah, I, I typically just do the the burn in meal. 
with a with a side of French fries, and always get the nanner pudding on the way out the door. I mean, my go-to has been burn-ins, not sauced. Yeah, yeah. Next time you go, not sauced, not sauced. I get them not sauced. I I dip um, the burn-ins in the barbecue sauce. Then I go with my all-time go-to mixed greens. That's it. That's my go-to right there. That's what I've been on that for a while. I go with the wings, boneless, the boneless wings, aka chicken nuggets, but it's called boneless wings. I love, I love them. So I, don't judge me. I'm not a kid. I'm grown, but I still like them. That's okay. But, but see, you can, people can enjoy boneless wings. There's no, there's no issue with enjoying boneless wings. The issue becomes when you try to make a case, and not saying you, because I know you love regular traditional wings more than boneless wings, but the people who try to replace the boneless wings <laughs> yeah. with traditional wings. That's can't when it. it becomes a problem. Yeah, can't do, can't do it. So that's been my go-to at Daddy and Barbecue. That is my go-to. Burnt ends, not sauce, mixed greens. That's that's it right now, man. I've been on that for for a couple of uh, man, a couple of months actually. Eating that before going to basketball games uh, on a weekend for dinner. That's my go-to. Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. All right, we'll take our first break of the day, and uh, we'll be back after this. Swain Event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go, Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. All right, welcome back. Swain Event Fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Live here from the Low T Center studio. That's where... I am Ben McKee in his home studio as well. Thank you for making Swain Event part of your morning. Um, well, this is awkward. This is very awkward, Ben. Not that players entered the portal. It happens. If you're not happy, you should go. No one should hold you hostage. It's your career. You've put in the work, and you have a small window to maximize opportunities. Small window. If you're lucky, you'll see it 80 years old. You got five years of your life to maximize opportunities. On the field, off the field getting your degree, parlaying that into a career, going to the league. If you're lucky, 
playing over three years and three games, getting the pension, playing five, playing seven, playing ten, if you're lucky. So I don't throw any shade on a, on a, on a young man, a young lady hitting the portal. Go for it. Go for it. You, you're the one that has the limited amount of time. Coaches can coach for 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. Well, didn't win this year. Well, there's always next year. There's always next year. There's always next year. Athletes, you got, you got a small window. But I don't know how you, how these young men do it, Ben. I don't know how the Henry Toll Toes can do it. I don't know how you go from playing one school where that school is considered a rival. And then the next year, going to that school. I, I, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense to me. I personally could not do that. But that is the case once again. Now, this ain't the first time a former Tennessee player has transferred from Tennessee and going to the University of Georgia because was it that Eli Wolf tight end? <laughs> yeah. that I forgot about that. <laughs> Eli Wolf. Eli Wolf, tight end, transferred from Tennessee to Georgia and was, I mean, he was pretty good. Pretty good at Georgia. But here we go again because former Tennessee running back Lenith Whitehead who entered the portal in December after his redshirt sophomore season. Remember, he had the injury his freshman season. He got to burn, had some some big plays. He was going to be our, our power back. He was his freshman year. Uh, I thought he did a really good job his freshman year, but he got hurt. The injury obviously set him back. He did not play last year, but he announced on his social media last night that he's going to Georgia, man. He... He's from Athens. He was a high school player at Athens Academy. Now, it could be personal reasons why he wanted to be at home. Totally respect that. But at the same time, it's still weird. <laughs> it's still weird to me. But he's going to go, Ben, and it looks like he's going to, to walk on at Georgia, which is another layer makes you think that maybe it's something personal to turn down scholarship offers at other schools to walk on at Georgia and it's at home. But still, the, the fact that you're going for Tennessee, Georgia, is still just a little awkward to me. Yes, and look, you you of all people know how much I hate the interconference transferring. I, I've been moaning and complaining about it for, for years now. What about really since, What's that? You, 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 you good with K-Mays doing it? Well, you you know we're hypocritical about it. Uh, just like I'm I'm good with Zane Denton transferring from Alabama to play for his home state team. That's right. Play third base for Tennessee. Like, look, I I'll be the first to admit that I'm a I'm a hypocrite. I am too. When it comes to it, but I, I still don't like it. I, I still think it's a little weird. I guess uh, I've come to accept the fact. But with, with this one, which by the way, two things. First, shout out to the Tennessee softball team. Big uh, shout out. And, and speaking of softball, uh, Madison Shipman's 
who is a former Tennessee softball player, was really, really good at Tennessee. Her little sister, if you'll remember, Allie Shipman, uh, transferred uh, to Alabama two seasons ago, lost to, to Tennessee in the SEC tournament this past weekend uh, to allow Tennessee to advance to the SEC tournament championship game. And I want to mention that I saw one of the funniest tweets I have seen in quite some time, Swain. What was that? I mean, I, I belly laughed when, when I saw this out loud. And I got a bigger belly now. It was out loud. It was, it was a loud laugh. Where Somebody, were you? Where were you? I was sitting on my couch. Oh, okay. Nobody nobody heard except for Knox Man and, and, and the wifey. Yes. <laughs> I was scrolling Twitter, and there's a photo of Ali Shipman, the, the Alabama catcher who transferred from Tennessee. I want to see. His older sister, one of the best probably that's ever played at Tennessee, uh, and now does a great job on, on the SEC network breaking things down for, for SEC softball. It was a photo of her. And the tweet said, we got Henrietta to to I need to see this. They called her Henrietta to Send it to your boy. Hey, I want you to slide in my DMs with that one. Slide in my DMs, man. Or just text me. Let me, let me. I think I saw it. I was rolling when... When when I I saw that I'll I'll find it and, and send it to you. But uh, the point, the overall point, the serious point that I'm getting to is I hate all these SEC transfers as as much as the the next person. I, I think it's weird, like you said, like how can you go from supposedly hating a team to to playing for a team? But and, and we've talked about this before, Swain. Those things really don't matter in college football anymore. Uh, unfortunately, really college athletics as a whole, the the motivation is getting to the league and NIL money. That's the only two things that, that these athletes care about. And if they can win something along the way, then cool. That, that's the icing on the cake. But I, I promise you, 80 90% of athletes, if, if not a higher percentage, only care about getting to the league or care more about getting to the league and getting NIL money than winning a championship. I really believe that, and, and I hate that that's what college sports has become because back in the day it was Al Wilson playing for the pride of his state, playing for his brothers next to him, playing for his, his football program, his university. Like, that was the motivation, not NIL money. Not, not yes, getting to the league was a motivation. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that it wasn't, but there was still a, a great sense in, in representing who you are, what you stand for, the people around you. And that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, not that, that it's completely non-existent. I, I don't want to lump everybody uh, in, into my stereotype, but it's just not a priority in college athletics uh, like we used to see it. College athletics now isn't the one that I grew up falling in love with uh, when I grew up watching NCAA basketball and NCAA football and, and so on and so forth. But uh, w with that being said, I honestly don't mind this one, Swain. As worked up as I, I get about so some of these other transfers within the conference i don't mind this one because he is from athens and really the the walk-on aspect of it is why this one doesn't bother me it, it seems like he chose to walk on at georgia instead of scholarship offers from places like boston college and i'm i'm not gonna fault a young man for wanting to prove himself at an sec program in his hometown so for, for me, kind of those 
factors right there are kind of why, like, hey, Lenny Whitehead, I don't blame you one bit, buddy. You're from Athens. Uh, you obviously didn't come to Tennessee because you grew up being a Tennessee fan. It was probably one of your only SEC offers trying to play in the, the premier college football league. And I, I feel like he's just still trying to prove himself uh, and, and play in, in the best league in college football and, and do so in his hometown. So for that, I, I don't have a problem with this one, to be honest with you. I'm with Tony on the text box. Tony says, you know Kirby is looking at that as an edge to see UT scheme as we are their main competition with that week schedule. Now, there's only so much trash talk we can do as Tennessee fans to Georgia, right? They've beaten us. they won two championships in a row. But at the same time, Tennessee is the closest thing to becoming a legitimate competition in the SEC East. And when Tennessee gets closer from a roster standpoint, building depth, this series between Georgia's and Tennessee is going to be really, really fun. And if I'm Kirby, I don't care how successful I am right now, how much I've won, how much I'm recruiting. They they go out and get the number one player in the country last uh, yesterday, the quarterback. They got their version of Nico. As a competitor, you want to keep the people that you're beating, you want to keep them down. You don't want to see them rise. You don't want them to get closer to you. You want to keep the distance. So, I don't know if that was Kirby's main reason for bringing in Lenny Whitehead, but I wouldn't mind knowing a little bit of details about what Tennessee likes to do offensively. Certainly an aspect yeah. of the storyline. But here's what I don't get, Swain. If if Tennessee's offense is is so simple and and doesn't prepare guys for the league and and all this brouhaha that Kirby is is spewing spewing these last couple of months, why does he need somebody? If it's so simple and and it doesn't prepare guys and it's easy to understand, why does he need somebody to come in and help him? That either that or he's like, man, listen, I mean, we get a chance to get a walk on that was a scholarship player at another school. That's pretty good. Now, I don't know how much Leland Whitehead is going to play because special teams players at Georgia are simply four- and five-star players that haven't gotten on the field on offense and defense. So I don't know how much Leaf is going to match up against against those guys in competition on special teams. But, hey, man, he's doing what he thinks is best for him. This could be a personal uh, reason. He's going back home. You never know what might happen, what's going on in his life. And so uh, I'm not judging him – I'm just saying it would be weird for me to yeah. go to a school that I played against and considered a, a big-time rival. Now, you made a point earlier that players you know, hate this, hate a team that they're playing against. And there's, there's a team of, what, 90, 100 players? Not every player on the team hates the opponent they're playing against. I mean, there was there was guys on my team that looked at Alabama, I'm sure, the first time they played against Alabama as just a tough SEC opponent. But I looked at I looked at them different. Totally different. Cause I'm because I'm from Alabama. We played LSU. Chris Brown, Jonathan Wade, those guys looked at, looked at LSU different. We played against Georgia. Guys from Georgia looked at them different. Guys from Florida. We looked at looked at Florida different. So like it it sometimes means a little bit more 
to guys who are from that state. But at the same time, you still take them serious as an opponent. You still respect them. You watch the film. You go out there. You play hard. Uh, you're trying to destroy the guy in front of you. This is, I'll say this. I'll say this. I may not agree with everything that Jeremy Banks did off the football field during his time with Tennessee. But I remember that Alabama game, and he wasn't about making friends with Henry Toto. And I'm going to say Jerome Carvin is, is in that same category. Like we, we ain't hugging it out, man. We're we not doing that. You know, we're not doing that. And I, I, I got appreciation for how Banks moves on, on the football field. Now, early in his career, got some bonehead 15-yard penalties, things like that. <laughs> but, like, last year, I mean, dude, dude left it on the line. Played his butt off. We know about the story surrounding leading up to the South Carolina game. And, again, that goes into the off-the-field off the field box that have been a fan of, of Banks on, but I'm a fan of watching him play. I'm a fan of how he handled Henry Toto when we played against Alabama. My man Bulldog Brian, Georgia fan, been following the show for a very long time, says, uh, guys, y'all are giving yourself too much credit. <laughs> it looked like Georgia was worried about Tennessee offense last year in Athens. I think Kirby has, has it completely under control. Listen, I just said there's a distance there's a distance between Georgia and Tennessee. But Bulldog Brown, I'll ask you this. Why did Kirby? And he does have it completely under control. And I don't know if we can say that he's not worried about Tennessee's offense. And that's what I was going to say. There's a difference between dominating Tennessee's offense and, and being worried about Tennessee's offense because you can you can worry about something and still go have success within that worry. Yeah, and like and to me, like based off of Kirby's movements this offseason, that that tells me maybe he's not worried. Maybe that's too strong of a word to use. But Tennessee's offense is is maybe in the back of his head a little bit. He, he he's thinking about it and trying to prepare for it down the road. So I, I think you can be worried about something but also have success against it and, and dominate it the way that unfortunately Georgia's defense did this past season I think both things can be true at the same time you, you can say concerned or worried whatever because I guess word is just a higher level of concern but Kirby is not referencing Tennessee's offense in a press conference if he's not concerned and and that's okay like that's that's okay. That's that's respecting your opponent. That's okay. It's but, his biggest competition in the SEC East right now. Yeah, yeah, it's perfectly fine. Hey, I said there's distance between Tennessee and Georgia. Georgia has beaten Tennessee pretty good the last couple of years. So don't get twisted. I'm not sitting here saying that. Oh, oh man, Georgia's shaking in their boots because Tennessee. No, I ain't saying that. What I am saying is Tennessee is. Georgia's best competition this season. And Georgia's roster is the best in the country. When Tennessee played Georgia, it showed. <laughs> it showed in Heupel's first season. It showed in Heupel's second season. And Heupel's offense has been able to mask some of the depth issues versus other teams 
that we have played in the last two seasons. When you have a spectacular quarterback play and you have playmakers here and there, you're able to go on the road and handle LSU and Brian Kelly's first season where their quarterback is still getting used to everything. And he was a little gun shy. You can, you can handle business at home against Alabama in the shootout where it's safe to say they kind of beat themselves with penalties. They had a, 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 a program history, hist- uh, program historical uh, performance as far as penalties. It was the rest, though, Swain. Yeah, I mean, Remember, the, re- the rest were out to get Alabama that day. I, well, I, I guess, I guess so, I guess so. But like, you, you can beat Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Like, you can you can beat certain teams, but when it comes to a roster like like Georgia's, you you ain't beating them until your roster is better. So there's distance. But again, Kirby's not mentioning Tennessee unless there's a little bit of concern because I haven't heard him mention any other program in the offseason like that. That's what I was about to say. Will Levis just got drafted and fairly high, even if he wasn't a first-round pick. He he was practically a first-round pick by how early the Titans drafted him in the second round. Sorry, Titans fans. Um, But I I don't hear any comments uh, about Kentucky's offense because Kentucky's offense is, is, is simple. You, you don't have to worry about Kentucky's offense. Like Kentucky's offense plays exactly in to what Georgia wants you to do. Kentucky thinks that it can out physical Georgia, and you're just not going to be able to do that right now. Whereas Tennessee, obviously, they, they play a physical brand of football. I, I think that's a, a misconception that they don't. People think it's 1,000% finesse, and, and that's not true whatsoever. Tennessee prides itself on playing physical football as well, even within this offense. But Tennessee's offense is different than what Florida is running, Carolina, anybody else in in the East. So I'm not saying that Tennessee is Georgia's biggest competition because uh, that that is Georgia or that is Alabama, obviously. Um, But in terms of the East and and maybe behind Alabama, I I do think Tennessee is um, Kirby's biggest competition. And not to say that he's worried about it, but just it's something that you have to be aware of and continue – and be ever evolving in preparing for Tennessee's offense. Hey man, it's not a, it's not a worry. It's, it's a respect level that you have for your opponent and you prepare for that opponent and you're recruiting. Like you're recruiting. This is what happens in recruiting. And I love the fact that Kirby said what he said out loud because all he did was let us know what is said behind closed doors when schools are negative recruit, recruiting other schools. Yeah, you, you sure you want to go there? I'll give you an example. Butch Jones was here, and Tennessee was in a battle for Josh Malone. Remember that? Tennessee was in a battle for, for Josh Malone with Clemson. It was Tennessee-Clemson. And Tennessee had a former player that had family ties to Josh Malone and was able to use that to our advantage and basically box out Clemson late in the process. Well, I know for a fact Jeff, what Jeff Scott said to Josh Malone. Jeff Scott was a receiver coach at Clemson, co-offense coordinator. Remember, he goes, he's the head coach at 
South Florida did not work out. Alex Golish is there now. But Jeff Scott was recruiting Josh Malone. And all Jeff Scott did was, like, show him all the receivers from Sammy Watkins um, to, I want to say, I want to say it's Mike Williams, but all the receivers from Clemson and their yardage and the seasons that they had going for over 1,000 yards, catching 80 balls, going to the league, all that good stuff. And then he was comparing what he had did with Clemson receivers to what Tennessee receivers were doing at the time. And it just didn't it just didn't compare. Negative recruiting happens all the time. Auburn told Cadillac Williams, allegedly, that Tennessee's about to go on probation. You don't want to go, you don't want to go to Tennessee. Tennessee's about to be on probation. Because where it is, Cadillac really liked Tennessee. Well, Cadillac went to Auburn. So this happens all the time. I appreciate what Kirby Smart did because all he did was said out loud what is done behind closed doors. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That's, that was good for the college football fan, in, in my opinion. It was great for him. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. Guys, if you're looking at testosterone as an option for you, make sure that you give Low T Center a call. Go to their website, lowtcenter.com. They specialize in men's wellness. They check all of your levels. Make sure that you're a candidate for Low T or Low Thyroid or Sleep Admin. They check everything, including your prostate levels. They check thyroid, liver, kidney function, cholesterol, glucose levels, and much more. The monitored self-inject treatment program is very convenient for you. They drop it right at your front porch. You don't have to go to the center each and every week. They drop it on your front porch. So that way you can administer minister those uh, testosterone shots yourself. Really simple, really easy. Low T center it's covered by most health insurance or it's less than just $100 cash pay. Go to the website. Book online, more details, Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. All right, we'll take uh, time out, and uh, we'll hit the text box. Ben, does that sound sound okay? Is that good for you? Always good with me. All right, my friend, Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant in America. Be right back. Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're an everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris, with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Go Vols! Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. So what was that, Thursday? I mean, Thursday, you ready to do the show? And the computer with all the imaging, commercials, liners, intro, 
It is that, mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. Not, not today. I'm tired. I'm tired. How long have we been in the studio, Ben? I never, oh. I, I like, I really never know the exact time. I always have to go, well, look, go back and look at my pictures um, <laughs> on my phone to see. Well, we were at Basilio's studio when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. I, I remember things based off of what happened in sports yep. <laughs> at that time. And I, I remember uh, the, the Eagles winning the Super Bowl when, uh, <laughs> when we were using Basilio's studio there for a, a couple of months, which five was years, seventeen. Um, it, it was eighteen. The Super Bowl was what February of eighteen. Gotcha. So, so it was a seventeen season. Yeah, yeah, eighteen. Yeah. So I remember we had Rick on Rick Barnes on to promote. Uh, one of his charity events during during that stretch when we were over there during, in the middle of basketball season, which the reason it stands out is because that that is un Rick Barnes like to to do a, a whole lot of radio interviews out outside of uh, his, his regular media stuff during the season. You know what? You're right, man. I just noticed that. Yeah, I just noticed that. But yeah, it was 2018. Looking at a picture of of kind of when we turned this room into a studio. But like my point is. Five years had the same computer. And on Thursday, it was like, nah, I'm good. I'm done. So I took it into my guy over there at iDrop TKL. And I was like, hey, what what can we do, man? What's 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 going on? He was like, listen, it's better off just to get a new one. So we'll have a new one for Thursday show and everything will be back back to normal. Um, but that's what happened on Thursday. That's why you didn't hear the commercials, didn't hear intro. Uh, and it just, it like literally happened right before the show started because got up Thursday, took the kiddo to school right before I did that, checked everything, make sure everything was good to go. But when I got back, I could sit down, push play, turn the mics on and just rock. So everything was fine right before I left. When I got back, Peter said, Nope, I'm done. Not today. All right. Text box time. 44 Vol says, uh, or 44 Vol says, so glad you guys are back. Is it looking like rain tonight for the baseball game coming up from Chattanooga? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm checking now, Ben, because, you know, I, pl- I was planning on going to the game tonight. Really? Yes, sir. Well, first, uh, my, my yard guy has arrived, so if you hear any mowing, in the background, uh, I apologize. I am trying to mute myself when I'm not talking. No, you all good. Um, I don't hear anything. But, but I apologize for that. As now he comes right past my window. I don't uh, hear. But I will say this: if it's if it's raining, they will still play. I know it's not fun to sit out in the rain, but if if you're dead set on watching them play, uh, that they, they will play as long as there's not lightning in the area. Uh, because as long as it's not lightning, and as long as it's not a monsoon, if it's a say. steady rain, they'll they'll play through that because the turf can can take it. I was about to say, man. I was like, what if, what if it was like the LSU 2017 game? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're not playing. You can't play <laughs> that. playing through that. You're talking about some nasty stuff thrown by the pitcher. Curveballs, slider, breaking ball. Man, that, that went and had that ball doing all kind of funky, funky, uh, funky movements. All sorts of funky stuff. And, and that would be uh, dangerous. Speaking of Chris Brown, you, you, you mentioned Chris Brown earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the great Tennessee tight end, Chris Brown. Does. Correct. Well, that's, what I, uh, that's what I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, I see him, I noticed lately, I see him at, almost at every baseball game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's there. He got season tickets. Yep, I, I've noticed that. I, I just, not that I'm like looking out for, for him or anything, but kind of like where my seat is in the press box, I can kind of see the the stadium and everybody coming in and in and out. And I've just happened th- these last couple of games to, to notice Chris Brown yep. uh, sitting in the same area. Yep. 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 We got season tickets, man. Season tickets. When you go get season tickets? I don't know, man. I don't know. That's good. That's, that's a good question. I was thinking about it um, this past year, getting them with Chris and, you know, going, going to the games together and all that stuff. But it, you know, it just didn't happen. A lot of moving parts this past year, buddy. <laughs> I want to yes, there have been uh, more than I would have liked, but um, I would like to add this on a on a separate Tennessee baseball note. You you saying uh, or, or me thinking about you going to the games and my family, uh, myself and my parents, we've even talked about going in on season tickets because they always want to come up to the game. Uh, the the wife wants to go to the game. Knox is going to be ten months next week, so he's going to reach a point of where he'll want to go to the game as well. So trying to find a way to, to where we can split it and, and some somebody can go to a game in, in some form or fashion. We can kind of split it. But I will say this. It'd be a good investment because uh, in talking to, to somebody over in the program yesterday, I was, I was asking about future recruits and actually the catcher position, and it led to a comment saying that uh, – they're super excited for these next couple of years, and they would not be surprised if Tennessee won a national championship with the level of talent that is that is coming in. Like the vibe within the program is like, yeah, they're excited for the now, and the last two years have been awesome, and, and last year's team probably should have won the national championship, but Tony and his staff, Tony Vitello, Josh Elander, uh, Frank Anderson, and, and you throw Quentin Eberhardt, the strength coach, he doesn't recruit, but He's obviously a key piece to the recruiting pie. He, he helps uh, just by how great he is and, and how he helps develop kids. The way that that program is able to recruit and the ridiculous amount of talent that is coming in these next couple of years, like, yes, there's been a ridiculous amount of talent these last couple of seasons, but if you can imagine it, like the talent, natural talent coming in as freshmen is about to even ratchet up like to to an even higher level consistently for like a four or five year stretch like there's a reason that tennessee's ranked number one in recruiting in in 2024 number two in recruiting and in 2025 number one in recruiting in 2026 and i know that sounds crazy because it's so far out but baseball recruiting is different than football and basketball like these kids are committing as weird as it is and I don't think the industry really likes it, but it just kind of is what it is because of the rules in college baseball. Like, there's a lot of kids committed in those classes, so it's not like it's one kid committed. I mean, there's like 20 kids committed in the class of 2025 that's ranked second. Uh, so with with the amount of talent that's coming in these next couple of years, they feel like they're they're on the verge. If they can piece it together once it gets to campus, they feel like they're on the verge of of uh, winning a national championship in the best years. As great as these last couple have been, they feel like the best years yet are, are still to come because they still haven't won a game at the College World Series. <laughs> as that, that That's kind of a, a weird reminder because it feels like they, they have, but they haven't. So I what made me think about that, and I wanted to share that because I, I was kind of taken aback by, by that 
thought process, and, and they're not wrong, like they should with the amount of talent coming in. But my thought process was, if you're considering season tickets like Jason Swain or my family, then it would probably be a wise investment, especially with the uh, stadium beginning to expand these next couple of years, beginning this offseason. A couple points here in the text box. Vol fan says you can join the season ticket wait, wait list like everybody else. Uh, <laughs> Vol fan, what does Tony think about the new recruiting rules? Baseball now can't talk about talk to a player before August of their junior year. And then Brian Hunsucker, our guy, says, that sounds great, Ben, but there's an MLB draft. Th- that is very true. That That is very, very true. Um, that, That'll be something that – because, well, for, to the first question about Tony and his thoughts on uh, the, the new rule, I have not asked him, so I don't have an answer for you. I apologize. Uh, I will – try to get an answer in the coming week. So ask me that question within the next month or so, and I'll try to remember to, to get an answer on that. Um, for for Brian Hunsucker's point, he's absolutely right because, like, Tennessee has elevated. Like, Tennessee's always recruited well under Tony Vitello, and they've been up there with just about anybody in the country, but now they're consistently having the type of classes that Vanderbilt has, that LSU has that Florida has and those drafts are typically I won't say hit hard by the the draft but they typically have a guy or two that get drafted in the first round and leave so that that is something that that they will have to to deal with uh as everybody else in the country does as well but like right now as it was worded to me yesterday as well like transfer portal opens Monday for, for college baseball and uh, Tennessee baseball is a, a very attractive destination. So if you do lose a guy in the draft, there is a, a nice remedy for it now with the transfer portal, I guess. LC Vol says, uh, Ben, what do you think about the renovations? Uh, what do you think the renovations look like for Lindsey Nelson this off season? This off season, I think they're really going to hamper, uh, hamper harp on that right field corner. Uh, I, I think we've talked about it in the past. I know Chris Burke has joked about it on the Swain event when we've had him on in the past about how he doesn't understand why Tennessee football puts out those highlight videos uh, from the practice field with the front of Lindsey Nelson Stadium in, in the background uh, <laughs> and, because it is so hideous. Yeah. I mean, it, it looks like a, a jail from 1930 uh, walking in the front. Uh, and Tennessee feel, Tennessee baseball feels the same way about that entrance. They they bring all of the recruits in through that right field corner, which right now is just a, a regular old fence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're, they're really going to work on that entrance. Uh, they're they're going to – I don't know what it's going to look like, but they're, they're going to, I guess, redo it, it, it sounds like, and, and make it more of an actual entrance than just the, a gate uh, with a fence. Uh, so that that right field corner is really going to be worked on, and and it sounds like they're going to expand the the seating down there uh, along the right field line as well. I, I don't know if it's like further from the dugout. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like or, or where exactly they're going to add the seats, but they're I think they're going to try and add like four six rows somewhere to get the fans closer to the field. Tony Vitello has been harping on this hornet's nest vibe these last couple of years and and like, yeah, Tennessee doesn't have the Mississippi state stadium or or some of these other cathedrals in the sec, but because Lindsey Nelson is kind of on top of the the playing field 
he he really wants to to lock in on that and he always talks about this hornet's nest vibe and, and i think that they want to go all in on a hornet's nest vibe and, and they're going to add seats down to that right field corner to, to where they're closer to the field i don't know again i don't know how that's going to look or, or w- what exactly the plan is but it, it sounds like that right field corner is going to be the main objective this offseason and it's going to come in phases in terms of the yeah. whole stadium uh these next couple of years and then it, i think like next offseason that they're going to add the the building out behind right field that that is for the players so it's going to be a lengthy process but it sounds like that right field corner is going to be the area of emphasis this offseason maybe that's where our tickets will be um bulldog brown wants to know our assessment of uh riola riola uh, the five-star quarterback, number one player in the 2014 class that just committed to Georgia. He's a stud. I mean, he's – I think he's Georgia's version of Nico. I mean, he's a can't-miss prospect. And if you're Georgia, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go out there and recruit the best quarterbacks in the country. And sometimes the best quarterback to you is not the most highly rated one. In this case, it is. And he's the former Ohio State commit. And with him committing to Georgia, it's going to – get the attention of other other recruits that play offense and defense. There's already Ohio State commit that's talking about taking a visit down to Georgia because of uh, the commitment to Georgia from, from Riola. So uh, look, I think his dad played with Matt Stafford in Detroit. So there's a, l- a little bit of connection there. Matthew Stafford obviously was the first overall pick years ago from, from Georgia, but I don't expect Georgia just to fall off the – map and fall off the cliff no. i expect them to consider to continue to bring in talent and i expect tennessee to close the gap now how fast will that be i don't know from a talent standpoint and when you get closer to closing that gap can you win on saturday that's that's the question but for right now man george is doing everything everything right you Except know, for off the field issues, because I don't know yeah, what y'all that, doing down there. Whew, the they, they've issues. had a, a rough soft season. My my quick thought is that, in some weird way, like they're they're taking an even bigger step forward because they think of all the success that they've had these last couple of years, and, and it's really been despite the quarterback position. Not that the quarterback position has been bad. Like Stetson Bennett was a good college quarterback. Don't don't get it wrong, but. It feels like what the stretch that Alabama just went through, like Alabama had a bunch of above-average quarterbacks. A.J. McCarron, a good college quarterback, but then they kind of started to get the elite quarterback talent and went on an absolute tear with Tua, Hurts, Bryce Young. That's kind of what it feels like to me is is that Somehow, some way, like Georgia's obviously dominating the sport right now. They won the last two championships, but in a weird way, they're even elevating still because they've done it without that ultra-talented quarterback. I, I know they've had the JT Daniels and the kid that went to Washington that almost beat Tennessee J- on the Hail Mary. Jacob Easton. Jacob Easton, yes, th- thank you. Like they, Those have been naturally talented guys, but it didn't click for them, per se, at, at Georgia, and, and now it feels like okay, well, they, they've been having all this success mainly because of what they've been able to do on the defensive side of the ball and their ability to run the football. But if they add a, a transcendent quarterback like Alabama was able to do with Tua, Jalen, or, or Bryce, and 
man, it, it, it makes them even more difficult uh, to, to beat than they already are. So I, I, I know Tennessee fans don't want to hear it and then other fans, but man, it, it just makes it seem like it's going to be even more impossible to beat than it already feels to a certain extent. To me, nothing has changed, Ben, with, with Curry's ability to recruit quarterbacks. Remember, he got Justin Fields. The difference, Ben, the difference has been Kirby playing the right quarterback. <laughs> That's the only difference to me because he's he's he got Justin Fields. He, he got five stars and four-star quarterbacks right now that he's choosing from to take over uh, for Stetson Bennett. So the latest could be, but yeah, he's the number one player in, in next year's class, but okay, he's a five-star, just like Jacob Eason was, just like Justin Fields was. But the question is, can you play the right guy? That's the reason you're, you're, why they, they you're absolutely right. Yeah, they probably didn't. That's probably why they have they didn't win three national championships instead of two. So that's the difference. Curry played the right guy, regardless of what his star ranking is. And and for Stetson Bennett, he he was the best quarterback for their team. Bulldog Brian, I got a question, Bulldog Brian. What's this? What's this talk about Stetson Bennett not getting his degree? Being in Georgia for all them years, that is impressive. That is that impressive. is impressive. I don't I don't know how you how you do that, but you're right, Swain. Uh, in terms of Kirby has had a That's ton impressive. of quarterback talent, um, but he he has not been able for whatever reason to to develop the quarterback position. I yes, technically Stetson Bennett developed, but in terms of talking about the the big high level recruit five star high four star guy. Like those have not panned out at Georgia under Kirby, and and I think that is a question mark that that he has to to answer to and, and kind of prove wrong uh, because right now the the big talented guys have have not worked out. All three that that you mentioned, the ones currently Brock Vandergriff and I guess the other ones Carson Beck. Like there, there's a lengthy list of of high level four star and five star quarterbacks that have come to Georgia under Kirby Smart and and haven't developed, haven't been able to stick around. For this reason or another, so that that is something that he's going to have to prove. Maybe he should stop worrying about Josh Heupel and 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 figure out the answer to that question. Elsie Vall says, uh, speaking of catcher, can we get the Huntsville catcher Stone Lawless to campus? I love his name, just don't love the high school he played. <laughs> yeah, at. played at a Swain's rival high school there at Huntsville High School. I, I expect him to to be on campus. Not a hundred percent set in stone, no pun intended. Uh, but man, you want to talk about prospects? They are excited about. They are as excited about Stone Lawless as as they've been uh, about just about anybody. He has a, a cannon of an arm. He has a ton of power in his bat. Uh, they're super excited. And one quick thing I want to add about the catcher's position because I know that's a polarizing topic for Tennessee baseball fans. Elite hitting catchers they get drafted because that that is uncommon catching the catching position defense is prioritized so when you get a guy that can play average defense and really rake like those guys don't make it to to campus because catchers who can hit are at a premium and 
college baseball kind of gets screwed out by professional teams because they take the, the kids from high school that absolutely rake. So the catcher position is a little bit of a, of a different one in college because that, that is a more developmental position um, because you're bringing in guys that aren't the ones getting drafted, if that makes sense. Uh, but they're really excited about Stone Lawless coming in this year. They have two catchers in the next class, the 2024 class, that they're also really, really excited about. So uh, Stone Lawless, fantastic name, fantastic baseball name, and they're really excited to get him to campus. I'll tell you one thing about Stone Lawless. You may play for the rival high school, but I can forget all about that because he's a student athlete leaving the state of Alabama to come to Tennessee. All is well, my friend. Look, Jordan Beck came from my rival high school there at at old Hazel Green <laughs> yeah. uh, High School in Hazel Green, Alabama. Uh, go Bucks, Go Buckhorn. Right, the nice. defending Swain. I, I think this is the my biggest gripe. <sighs> I have two gripes about the normal Swain event going away. Oh my, uh, my my biggest gripe is that I had to sit there and and talk every Monday uh, about ugly loss after ugly loss after ugly loss, and the first full fall without the normal Swain event, and you get to talk about with Josh Ward, one of the most historic Tennessee football seasons of all time. That's my biggest gripe. My second biggest gripe is that I did not get to brag on my Buckhorn Bucks, who won the state championship of basketball this past year. Go ahead. Go Bucks, Fear the deer. But Jordan Beck, he arrived from my rival high school, and he left uh, with a bunch of Tennessee tattoos on his arm. So maybe Stone Lawless will do the same. I hope so. I hope so. Hiller's Heat Wave Heroes are keeping you from getting burned this summer, folks. If you know your home needs air conditioning replacement, if you need that, do not wait until it breaks down. You don't want to be sweating in your house. There's nothing worse than sweating in your own home. Really uncomfortable. This month, get a free UV light and free electronic air cleaner when you buy select new HVAC systems or get a whole home water filtration system for just $59 per month or new whole home generator for just $139 a month. Call Hiller's Heat Wave Heroes to save the day. Dun, 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 dun. Visit happyhiller.com to book. I threw that in there. Dun, 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 dun. You know, like, like Friday. I think it was uh, Friday. I think it was the second one. Like a stitch. Top flight security of the world, Craig. We heroes. All right, uh, text box. We'll finish up. Bulldog Brian says, congratulations to the Lady Vols on the SEC championship. Appreciate that. Rodney Nostel, we're talking about Lenny Whitehead transferring to Georgia. Says these kids are built different. They are. They, they're built different. I'm sure we'll hear more details of why. He made that move to Georgia. I mean, he's from Athens. Weird, but hey, got to do the best for you. Uh, let's see. Jennifer Morris, ain't nobody got time for Ben and his Buckhorn stories, but we do have time for Ben telling us about his Jennifer Morris story. Yes, Jennifer Morris is the absolute best despite her comments uh, about myself and my new york yankees and alma mater uh but if you're in knoxville or wanting to move to knoxville and in the market for a new house i could not recommend jennifer morris more i have said it for years and years that jennifer morris 
is the absolute best when it comes to helping you find a house. She helped my wife and I find our first house, and I can tell you that it was very intimidating uh, to to begin looking for a first home and trying to buy a first home. Just an <laughs> incredible process that was so intimidating, and she made it seem easy, and it was a flawless process because of Jennifer Morse, uh, because of who she is and, and her work ethic and, and just kind of uh, the, the way that she goes about her business in the sense of she's available, available 24 seven. You have a question at 1130 PM. If she's not asleep, she'll answer it right then and there. And if she is asleep, then she'll, she'll answer it first thing in the morning. So, uh, her, her customer service of one is second to none. So I cannot recommend Jennifer Morris of Keller Williams realty enough. If you are in Knoxville looking for a new home, or if you are looking to move to Knoxville, because who wouldn't want to move to Knoxville? Forget Nashville. Na- Nashville is well, whatever. Knoxville is where it's at. <laughs> East Tennessee is where it's at. Stop, so man. Stop. if, if it, I, yes, I did throw Nashville uh, under. No, the bus. we we fool. Uh, yes, but if 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 you want to <laughs> yeah. to help us go over plus one capacity, Jennifer Morris is the one to to reach out to For and help sure. you find a home. For sure. All right. Last question comment from Gene though. Good morning, guys. Love this morning show again. Uh, last question goes to Jennifer Morris. Oh yeah, B Rat says boneless wings are just chicken nuggets. Be grown ups and get wings. I mean, I just sometimes I just want to eat with a fork, and I'm not gonna eat wings with a fork, so I'm gonna go with the boneless. And um, you know, the boneless, it's 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 not sauce. It's just breaded and um, and fried. So if I wanted sauced wings, I would get wings. But I was just moved for just I guess chicken nuggets, aka boneless wings. All right, Jennifer Morris gets the last question. Do you think Burns will get a chance to start, or is he in the permanent reliever position? I'm not moving him. I'm not moving him. He has looked like a different person, a, a different pitcher. Well, not a different, because this is, this is how he looked last year as a, a freshman, mm-hmm. but uh, he is he is back to pitching to his uh, ability, and he has been absolutely electric out of the bullpen. And uh, you, you can use him in multiple situations, whether it be for the traditional one inning save, whether it be to come in and, and get the final out if you're in a jam or uh, the final out of an inning if you're in a jam. And, and then he can go on to pitch two, three, four innings if you need him to to, to close out a game. So uh, I'm not moving him. Uh, he, he's coming in pumping triple digits, 100 miles per hour is flashing on the scoreboard. Uh, and and because of some mechanical tweaks, his slider is absolutely filthy. And I can't tell you how nearly impossible it is to hit Chase Burns when his fastball and his slider are on at the same time. I mean, hitters got to go up there saying a prayer. So uh, I wish it would have worked out for him as a starter. Maybe they can get back to that. But because of how big of, an, of a weapon, I don't know that there's a team with a better weapon out of the bullpen in the entire country than Chase Burns when Chase Burns is on. So... Uh, yeah, you'd like him to start, and hopefully maybe next year he can get back to that working out for him. Uh, but right now, w- with his success, and, and he's altered his mindset, he, he's made some mechanical adjustments that that better suit a reliever, I'm not touching him. I, I'm I'm rolling with what I got and keeping him there. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? That is correct. And I know that's been kind of a conversation that's popped up with Drew Beam struggling for a second time and and that is concerning Drew Beam is a guy that doesn't have uh, the velocity of a of a Dolander a Lindsey a Burns uh, he has good velocity 
the velocity 94 95 mid 90s but the these baseball hitters nowadays everybody throws high velocity so high velocity doesn't uh, intimidate hitters like it used to mm-hmm. it's all about your secondary pitches and i do think that's the area of drew beam's game that needs to improve uh, and when he doesn't have the command which is what makes him so great he has not had it the last two weeks his fastball away and his fastball in um it's been concerning the last two weeks but uh, you're still riding with with drew beam there, there's too long of a resume there if he struggles this weekend in south carolina and struggles in the sec tournament Maybe it's a, an actual conversation that that needs to be had, but right now I'm I'm still rolling with with Drew Beam behind Lindsey and uh, Dolander. If, if if Beam continues to struggle and you make a change, who who replaces him? Who's the, who's the is, first candidate? Man, that is a a fascinating conversation on the way out the door. Uh, I'm leaving Burns where he is. Uh, AJ Russell is a name that fans have asked me about this week. Uh-huh. Uh, w- would I move him to the starting rotation? And I don't think that he would. Uh, just because he's he's still so inexperienced and, and just a freshman. I would hate to move Camden Sewell from the bullpen because everything I just said about Chase Burns and how valuable that is, yeah. Camden Sewell is just as valuable out of the bullpen for all of the same reasons in terms of how you can use him. He's an older guy that isn't going to be phased by any situation. But if, if I needed a, a new starter to replace Drew Beam, I think I would go with Camden Sewell. Swain event fueled by Daddy Barbecue. That's Ben McKee, Go Falls 247. I'm Jason Swain, live here from the Low T Center Studio. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. We appreciate your time. Appreciate your ears. We'll do this again on Thursday, 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Peace and love. We are out.